Good morning. You guys sound amazing this morning. That sounded really good. Happy Easter. He's alive. Christ is risen. Indeed. I was listening for those um, callbacks earlier this morning. I heard it a few times, but let's do it again. So Christ is risen, and you guys will say Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And we can say that with authority. We know it's true. We've been singing these wonderful mornings this morning, proclaiming Jesus' power over death. It's Easter Sunday, not just any Sunday. Today's the day we remember specifically Christ's resurrection. When we come to church at Easter time, we hear this Easter story. The Last Supper, the trial of Jesus, we throw in a few dad puns, the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection. We know these things and we, know, and we must be sure that we don't get too complacent about them. You know, what are we celebrating this morning? We're celebrating the foundation of our faith. These, these things that happened are essential to what we believe. See, without Jesus' death and resurrection, Easter would be rather dull. This cartoon never fails to make me laugh. It's easy to get carried away with eggs and bunnies. <laughs> but without Jesus' death and resurrection, Easter could be reduced. There's a few, people, there's a few slow people here this morning. Away, yeah. What? What's he, you haven't got any ears. You can't hear the Easter message if you don't have any ears. But without Jesus' death and resurrection, Easter might be reduced to an argument about which came first, the rabbit or the egg. But we, we do have the death and the resurrection. Jesus really did live. Jesus really did die. On Friday, I talked about the nail. I talked about it being a good symbol for Easter and how it held our Saviour to the cross. It's universally accepted that the cross is a symbol of Christianity. And the symbol for today, very specifically, would be that empty tomb. The nail, the cross and an empty tomb. I think that sets us up for what we are going to talk about today. But before we do any of that, I'd like to pray. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Lord, we just thank you this morning that we can remember your resurrection. We remember that death could not hold you down. This morning we came here to proclaim your power, your mercy and your grace and that we could be made right through you, right through Jesus and a righteousness that has been revealed through a nail, a cross and an empty tomb. Amen. So in our reading this morning from John chapter 20, those first 18 verses, they tell us what happened on that Sunday morning. Matthew, Mark and Luke, they record all these events as well. And they tell us that Mary wasn't alone as she headed down to the, the, um, the tomb. And as I said in the kids' talk, if you're going to pick anyone to discover an empty tomb, it probably wouldn't have been these women. But it was after the Sabbath, early on the... the Early on the first day of the week, it was dark when they left the house. Dawn was coming. It would have been cool. If you were up this morning, cool like this morning, a really nice morning, like a spring morning usually is. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the mother of James, they were hurrying along the path. They had spices with them. They wanted to anoint Jesus' body as a mark of respect. And on the way to the tomb, the women remembered. They're on the way down to the tomb. And then they remembered the large stone. And they asked themselves, who's going to roll that stone away from the tomb? It was set there to seal the tomb tight. But when the women arrived, it had already been rolled away. It had been removed from the entrance. Now, I can't imagine to begin to think how these women would have felt to see the tomb like that. Jesus had been arrested. 
He'd been tried in an unjust court. He'd been beaten, he'd been mocked, he'd been crucified, tormented. He died. There was nothing that anyone could have done about it. And here these women were trying to do something fitting for the man that had changed their life. And even then, they couldn't do anything. The body was gone. These women were expecting to find a body. They saw Jesus die. They knew he'd been placed in the tomb. Mary's emotions got the better of her. She stood at the tomb crying. And she heard a voice ask the question, Why are you crying? Mary standing in front of an empty tomb, the burial cloth and the linens, that's the only thing left. Why do you think she was crying? This is a silly question. The answer was apparent. Mary was expecting a corpse. It wasn't there. Who asked the question and why did they ask the question? Matthew, Mark and Luke, it's the, uh, the angels didn't bother asking any questions. They just told the women exactly what was going on. And these are the sorts of things that the angel said to the women that morning. Don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed. Why do you go looking for the living amongst the dead? For we know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. They told the women, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. All of these sayings are recorded in the Gospels. I just want to make a point too about the minor differences that we read about the resurrection. Some people will say, well, you can't trust the Bible because it's got all these different accounts. Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John have all recorded their eyewitness account of Jesus. They wrote about his life. They wrote about his death. These four books could be seen as the biographies of Jesus. Now, they're all slightly different. And uh, I like this description of these Gospels. Um, in A Hell of a Life, John Dixon writes this. Someone I know gave a copy of the four biographies of Jesus to a Sydney cop who was questioning the believability of Christianity. After reading the different accounts, he was impressed. In fact, he commented that when the police investigate a crime, they look for similarities and differences between the various witness reports. It's the blend of general agreement and partial difference between the reports that makes the police confident that they're reading a trustworthy account. This cop, this particular cop, thought the biographies of Jesus' life, and in particular, the accounts of the resurrection, looked like good witness reports. We can believe what we read in the Bible. We can know that it's true. And you've ever noticed that in John's account that we read this morning, Mary's asked the same question twice. Woman, why are you crying? The angels ask her the first time, and then it's Jesus that asks her the second time. Looking at Mary's first answer, Mary knew why she was crying. They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. She went to the tomb expecting to find a body, even though the disciples had already been told numerous times about Jesus' impending resurrection. We're going to go through those a little bit later. Mary jumped to the conclusion because the body wasn't there, it must have been moved. She's still thinking about Jesus in terms of him being a corpse. When asked that second time, woman, why are you crying? Mary thought she was talking to a gardener. She was scared, terrified, afraid. But the question might have been asked, why do you cry? As if to say, don't cry, he's alive. When Jesus calls Mary's name, she realises who it is. In the next part of our reading, Simon Peter and the other disciple, they come to the tomb. They were both running. The other disciple outran Peter and he reached the tomb first. 
They had to know so badly what was going on. The women had come back and told them the tomb's empty, but they needed to see it for themselves. We've got to think about some of the formalities that are going on here as well. Men didn't run in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. It wasn't dignified. But when they heard that the tomb was empty, they were astonished. They couldn't wait. They weren't going to stroll down to see if what the women had said was true. They were going to check it out for themselves. They ran to the tomb. And then they saw the strips of linen lying there. They saw the burial cloth, but they didn't find the body of Jesus. Now the end of verse 8 says this, He saw and believed. And then verse 9 says, But they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. He saw and believed what the women had told him. He saw and believed. And the tomb was empty, but they still didn't know why. We've got to ask ourselves, why are verses like verse 9 in a passage about the resurrection? We know this to be true, but there's a verse there that says they didn't understand. What we have to realise is the disciples were on a journey. They were on a journey discovering what Jesus' death meant for them. It was a week ago that they'd entered Jerusalem triumphantly. Days ago, they'd celebrated the supper in the upper room. Uh, we now know this is Jesus' last supper. Now, then Jesus was arrested, he was murdered, uh, his body's missing. The disciples were on this journey of understanding of what Jesus' death and resurrection meant. And so are we. We're on this journey as well. Some of us are a long way down this journey. Some of us have only just started. Even in our own Christian walk, we need to be reminded about the why. Why do we do this? Why do we believe this? This only comes with understanding as we spend time in his word. Now is as good a time as me to ask you about how you went with the nail. Did anyone take a nail from Friday? Did you start a conversation with it? Did you tell people about that nail? It's important that we have these conversations with our friends, our families, with people that might not be sure what Easter is or why we go to church. We need these conversation starters. You might have a conversation starter from that egg story this morning as well. It's important that we tell people what we believe and then when they ask why, I know the Holy Spirit will help you answer that question. So I had a privilege of presenting that kid's talk to two public schools in 2007. I um, went, was allowed to go into the schools, allowed to present to the entire school the message of Easter, um, which is just amazing that we can do that in our schools. We're fortunate in Griffith, we can still take scripture into our schools and our schools are supportive of hearing Christian teaching in the schools on a regular basis. And when I say Christian teaching, I'm not talking about teaching on ethics or lessons from the Bible, I'm talking about the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can tell kids in schools about this still and we need to pray that we can continue to do this because these are the facts. Jesus lived on the planet, Jesus died on the cross and the tomb was empty. That's the message for us this morning. That's the message that we need to tell people. Now, it's the disciples' reaction to the empty tomb that I'd like to focus on now. The disciples were surprised. They'd spent nearly three years with Jesus. They knew what he was capable of. They'd seen him raise someone from the dead before. Some of them saw him on the cross. They saw him die. And yet they were still surprised. Jesus had told them what was going to happen. All through the Gospels recorded in Matthew, Mark and Luke and John, Jesus was preparing the disciples for Easter. We can read in John chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, 
destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. In verse 20, the Jews replied, it had taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he'd spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the the dead, the disciples recalled what he'd said and they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Another time that Jesus had told some of the disciples what was going to happen was at the Transfiguration. We can read about it in Mark 9 or Matthew 17. I've chosen Mark 9 verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they'd seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And again later we read in Mark chapter 10, 32-34, Jesus tells the disciples again what was going to happen. In verse 32, they were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. And he took the twelve aside and he told them what was going to happen. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They'll condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. So were the disciples dense? Were they dumb? Well, they'd been told that Jesus would be raised from the dead. It had been kept from them. They had to understand at the right time. They were still expecting to find a corpse in the tomb that morning. We do know the disciples were uneducated. They weren't exactly prominent people. They were the everyday normal blokes handpicked by Jesus. This small group of people became so adamant in their leader's resurrection that they confidently claimed and proclaimed, debated, stood trial, suffered, and in some cases they went to their own deaths. Jesus' resurrection had changed their lives. They devoted themselves to him. And then when we think about it, in less than three generations, devout first century Jews who naturally avoided other races and nations, they began the largest, most international and multicultural religion in the world. The living Christ had changed these men. And we live with the benefit today of their hard work. We must allow the living Christ to change us. It is possible to believe in the doctrine of the risen Christ and not be affected by it and have a head knowledge of it. But what does that say about your faith? Our faith has to be real. We must allow the living Christ to change us. People should see us as Christians who believe. They should see us in our everyday life, in what we do and the way we live. We must understand exactly what it meant for that tomb to be empty that day. Paul says in Romans 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and for the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, and just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. See, the biographies of Jesus reach their climax with the resurrection of Christ. This is the gospel. A righteousness has been revealed, a nail, a cross, and an empty tomb. The credibility of Christianity rests on this one fact, the fact of the resurrection. If the stone had still been there in front of the tomb that morning when the women came with their spices, Jesus' death would have been just like any other death. Maybe a little bit more gruesome, but Jesus' teachings might have lasted, 
And the Jews demanded, but the Jews demanded, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? He had the authority of one that conquered death. On Friday, we read two verses from Romans, both the 23rd verse, one from chapter 3, the other from chapter 6. For all have sinned and fall short the glory of God, for the wages of sin is death. Sin is humanity's problem. We don't deserve anything other than the wages of sin, death. But the resurrection changes the meaning of death. The resurrection changes the meaning of life. And the resurrection changes the meaning of faith. So next Sunday, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to go into depth on those three things. Christ went to the cross. He allowed himself to be nailed to the cross in our place. He suffered so that we don't have to. He rose from the dead and he left the tomb empty. So what does that mean for us? It means that we've been made right with God. 